I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, everybody. As you know, my name is Tanya Marie Lee, and I will be your host for this afternoon's book club, A Room of Your Own. A Room of Your Own is a girl-positive space. This means... Um, We are an inclusive space. We celebrate, honor, and respect young women. Anyone who identifies as a young woman, transgender, non-binary students, and anyone who wishes to... My name is Tanya Marie Lee, and I am the founder of A Room of Your Own Book Club for High-Risk Teen Girls. Tanya created A Room of Your Own Book Club in Toronto in 2017. She wanted it to be a monthly club for teenage girls who are what she calls high-risk. As in, at risk of being overlooked or not getting the same opportunities as other kids. Girls for whom poverty, violence, and housing insecurity are often a daily reality. Girls who remind Tanya of herself. I give all the things to these young women that I didn't have growing up. I never felt secure. I barely felt wanted. I barely felt safe. When Tanya had the idea for the book club, she knew she needed to get schools involved. So she started with the Toronto District School Board, and they gave her the green light to contact school principals. Announcements were made in classes, on the PA system, and teachers invited individual students, the ones they felt would benefit the most from being part of a book club. Now, if you have ever been part of a book club, You know that nine times out of ten, people flake. Half won't have read the thing, and eventually the books end up doubling as coasters. Not these girls. They come to talk books. I'm AC Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. Now, a room of your own book club meets twice a month. It's open to teen girls across Canada, with up to 200 students participating per session. Tanya selects the books. She goes for ones with strong female protagonists and powerful stories that she hopes will resonate. And they do. So far, these books have sparked conversations about a range of topics. Drug addiction, homophobia, racism, sexism, bullying, sexual assault, human trafficking, not to mention the trying art of being a teenage girl. The club has also hosted high-profile authors, including Nobel Peace Prize recipient Nadia Murad and Canadian defense lawyer Marie Hennen, whom you'll hear from later. This club, it has had a profound effect on the lives of these young women. But it all started five years ago as one woman's dream. A warning. You are going to hear about suicidal ideation in this week's episode. Okay, here's Tanya Marie Lee. Teen girls are always treated as second-class citizens. I hate that. I was treated as a second-class citizen as a teen girl. I was always disregarded. 
My opinions didn't matter as much as the boys in my class. That stuck with me. And uh, I wanted to change that. And I said, well, you know what? I have this love of books. I have this love of advocacy. I love being of service. Why don't I do it the best way I can? And let me start a book club. I called publishing houses that dealt with young adult novels. I told them what my idea was. Would they provide some books for free for these girls to read? All Canadian publishers. All of them said yes. Kelly Armstrong was our first author. Kelly Armstrong wrote a young adult novel, The Masked Truth. I sent her an email. And she said yes. She would participate in the book club and she would come in person. I was blown away. Penguin Random House sent me 30 copies of that book to give to schools. So uh, students received the books free of cost six weeks before the book club. I contacted Lillian H. Smith Public Library and I paid for the, the space for the day for the very first book club. And that is how the book club started. I remember reading Virginia Woolf's book, A Room of One's Own. I decided that I would call my book club A Room of Your Own for high-risk teen girls because her book actually changed my life. It was around December when my teacher invited um, a few girls to do this wonderful opportunity of visiting a library downtown where you can meet an author. My name is Vivian, and I'm a part of Tanya's book club. Meeting an author is like, wow. Whenever we've, I went to like field trips and stuff, we wasn't usually meet a lot of such big, big names and just people that are super famous, um, especially not authors. So this was really new, right? My name is Ivy. I am 16 years old, and I am in grade 11. When I got the trip form to join, to tag along to the Grand Library in, in downtown Toronto, I was like, wow. We took the bus downtown with my teacher, just a, a small group of girls. I was in the basement. I was waiting for the girls to arrive. I was anxious because it was my first book club. It was a really beautiful library. <laughs> I was like, this is a library? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It had something magical in it. All I heard was these footsteps and this and this laughter and this excitement coming down the stairs into the basement. So there were 15 young women, so excited, so happy. And these girls walk into the room and then it's on. I see the author up there and I was like, oh! That's so cool. <laughs> My sister and I are both avid readers. When I walked in and I saw the author, I was like, oh my, oh my goodness. <laughs> I got to see her. I got to meet her. I got to get her autograph. I got to talk to her for a minute. And like, wow. <laughs> I officially joined the book club when I 
was in grade nine, it felt pretty awkward, <laughs> if I'm being honest, because these days not a lot of kids are into reading, right? And especially in my grade, no grade nines from my school had joined, so it was just myself in there <laughs> who was a grade nine, and. That was a bit like terrifying. Like I knew no one beside my sister. I was like quite nervous back then. I could feel the tension in the room when I first came in, not in a bad way, but in a very quiet, apprehensive type of way. My name is Larissa Essex. I was the senior branch head of the Lillian H. Smith branch in downtown Toronto. So after the author was done speaking, it was silence. It was very, very quiet. The girls were very shy. They were very timid. It was a new experience for a lot of them. And for many of them, it was their very first contact with, in their minds, a celebrity. And eventually, a young girl put up her hand and asked a question and got a nice thorough answer from the author. And then it sort of started a chain reaction and other girls spoke up and got to ask their questions. And at the end of the book club, they all went up and said, can we take a selfie with you? I think when I was looking around the room and just watching this scenario unfold, the main thing that I was thinking was, this is so much more than a book club. This is such a wonderful opportunity for young girls to open up and dig deeper and talk about themselves with literature being the catalyst. There were a few that, from the beginning, didn't really chit-chat with anyone when they came in. They took their seats, they sat quietly, they didn't engage with anyone, and they didn't really interact at the beginning. But as the program continued, more and more you'd see even those shyer individuals start to speak up, and by the end, it was like a party. Right from that first session, I knew with 100% certainty that this was something that I needed to be a part of and that the library needed to be a part of. My hope for the book club was that I could grow it and we could get sponsorship. And that so many young, high-risk teen girls could participate and I could help foster the love of reading. And I wanted them to have a safe space where they could just be themselves and we can celebrate being a young woman. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. And when I was three years old, I came to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I remember around that community where I lived in the 1970s, which was Dufferin and Eglinton, walking to the library and just falling so in love with all the books around me. And I couldn't believe that my only passport to getting those books was a library card. I was hooked. My sister and I, we read a lot. But then for, I think, two or three years, we kind of stopped that because there was like family problems. There was um, a lot of stress, stressful factors in our life. And that made things difficult for us to like purchase books, for us to, you know, even go to the library. To be honest, in my home, 
I did not have many books because we have very low income in our family. So that means we don't have a lot of money to spend on things we like, our hobbies and such. Like rent is more important than than reading, right? So yeah, not a lot of books that were my own, but more of like community books from the library, from my school library, like borrowed from friends, borrowed from uh, teachers. Those were the books I had. And having the opportunity to be able to get those free books and be able to read really interested me. So that's why I joined. Having Tanya actually give us this book for free, having this physical copy of a book, it just breaks so many barriers. I remember being at school and always wanting to own my own books. And every month, the Scholastics calendar would come out. And it's a monthly calendar of all the books that they had available. And I always wanted those books. So it was like, yes, maybe this month I can get a book. And I circle the ones that I wanted. And I would go home to my mom. And she would always be very sad that she couldn't afford to get me those books. However, I had my library card, and that was a lifesaver. My sister being a part of the book club is its pretty entertaining. My sister and I have a pretty close relationship, and Tanya is amazing to give us both books um, because I know there some people might just buy one book and let two people share in one household, but Tanya is amazing. She lets us both get books. I started going to the library in grade one, so that would be around six or seven years old. It would actually be unheard of today for kids to go to the library uh, that young by themselves. And I think the librarians were wondering, why is this young kid coming to the library by herself? But they were always so kind to me, and they were always there to help me choose like some of the greatest books possible. When I arrived at the library, it was as if I was arriving to a magical palace, a place where all these special people were there and they knew my name. So they addressed me as Tanya and I got to participate in the puppet shows. I got to participate in reading time and I was able to get transported into a different time, into a different country. With every book I read, I was able to be that character and not be me for a moment. I grew up in a dysfunctional family. My mom worked very, very hard to support us, and my dad was a dysfunctional parent. We walked on eggshells all the time. We didn't know like whether my dad was going to be in a good mood, whether he was going to be in a bad mood, like what we were going to experience that day. And neither did my mother, and she couldn't protect us from his wrath. And we were scared out of our minds. When I was about 10 years old, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I remember telling my mother, if you're not going to leave daddy, can you please send me away? I don't want to live here anymore. Within a few months, my mom got the courage. She left and she went to a shelter. 
She went by herself at first to check out the shelter. And then when she could, she came back, she got all three kids, and we went to go live in a shelter with my mom. It was a lifesaver. I present novels that have um, the teen experience that's relevant to their lives today. So a lot of those novels deal with health issues, mental health, eating disorders, racism, um, homophobia. And I want those young women, anyone who participates in the book club, I want them to be able to ask the tough questions. I want them to talk about what's going on in their lives. I want them to feel safe to talk about these issues, to feel heard. And I bring in community leaders to talk to them about these things. One of my favorite moments in my life in general is when Tanya gave us this book to read called Breaking Faith. It was a fantastic book, and I shed many tears reading it. Not only because she, the main character related so much to me, but also because of how raw and emotional and how vulnerable this author was willing to go with um, the characters. The book, Breaking Faith, it was about drug abuse, right? It talked about how this teen who was, you know, on the right path, she had good grades, she had good friends, but her family life was horrible. Her dad left them, and she had to take care of her siblings. And she started using because of all the stress factors in her life. Chapter 26 I was alone. Completely, totally, entirely alone. That place people wish they never journey to in their lives was where I was at. In this excerpt, Faith realizes that she has reached rock bottom and she realized that drugs had really ruined her life and made it worse than what it was before. Coming into high school, I saw so many drug users and so many kids who were just using. And I really felt a connection to Faith, the main character, and myself. Except she started using and her whole life just spiraled from there. And she just had such a horrible time. And and it made me see that if I if I ever ventured into that type of stuff, then maybe I would have had the same ending as her. Or maybe I would have, you know, gone out of control like her. And it really put something in me to never, ever go that route. My name is Edie Graziani, or E. Graziani, and I am the author of Breaking Faith. I remember many of the students saying that they were able to put themselves into faith's head. They were able to find many commonalities between what happened to faith and what may be happening to them in their own lives. Conversation during the book club was actually really emotional. 
we sat in the dark for a moment, and we just sat and we just thought about the book. I remember the author was like, "Let's just take a minute to reflect on Faith's action, and just notice that what she did, whether it was right or wrong or whatever, just take a minute to take in." Her actions, and think for yourself if you would ever do that. And I remember everything was silent. I don't remember any noise at all. It was silent. It was peaceful. And then the author allowed us to each share our thought. So we went through every single person in that book club, not leaving anyone out. And it made me really understand more about people's opinions and views. About this certain topic, it also made me understand that other people have struggles too in their life, and that you know everyone's life might not be as perfect as they make it seem. Because I saw those girls, I saw how pretty they were, how happy they were, but the moment that silence ended and we got to each share, it was something else. <laughs> I was welling up. I'd never experienced that before. You know, I've been to readings and I've been to、um, other events, but them telling me that it had that profound effect on them, I was speechless. I was speechless, and I was thankful. I don't think there's any better feeling than being able to to hear a child or or a, a young woman say, "Yeah, wow, I really identified with faith." I remember talking about how I felt. Really alone, just like how Faith did, because in that book she ran away from home when life was too stressful for her, and she was alone for majority of the book. And I felt that loneliness. Also during that meeting, I couldn't talk to anyone during those meetings because I was so afraid of sharing and all that. But that silence, that moment of silence, really. Helped me and encouraged me to talk. A lot of them found strength, I think, in Faith's ability to kind of rise up and、uh, dig herself out of that horrible situation that that she was put in. And I think that the students found strength in the ability to to see where she may have strayed, and it may have given them the opportunity to see it from another wall. I developed a stutter during grade seven, I believe, because、um, there was so much going on in my life. Like I had just lost a major friend of mine. Like she kind of just left me for others, and then、um, my family—they started、um, fighting, and there were so many problems. So I was alone for a lot, and. This book club really allowed me to have a space to talk about myself and how I felt, and it brought me to a place where I was in a, a a safe environment to share. So I I owe a lot to Tanya and to the book club and to that specific book.
I've suffered from a lot of mental health issues. So it was kind of strange to, you know, see other people also going through all of this. Strange as in, like, a lot of people hide what they feel. And they kind of put on this facade of always being good and everything is fine. But being in this book club and actually seeing other people my age and girls feeling vulnerable, it was strange because you don't see this at all. But as time went on, it just felt more comfortable. Like, hey, it's so nice to have all of these girls in here my age also going through very similar things. I don't feel so alone. I think when things started to get really bad was around grade eight. (laughs) I was constantly getting bullied by other people. These girls said a lot of mean things about me because I was just, I was very different from them. I think when I started noticing that, I was beginning to go into a crisis was when thoughts of suicide started appearing. I've never had these thoughts of suicide before. So it was really scary because I didn't want to live. And over time, my mental health started getting worse with the transition to going to high school and family problems at home and just life in general so that's I guess when things started getting bad it started going downhill downhill I guess it means I just don't want to be around anyone I isolate myself in my room I stay in bed all day and when I mean all day I mean like staying in bed until 9 p.m and unable to eat or shower. It was still dusk, too early to hide in the alley. As I reasoned and planned my As escape I reasoned from and this planned world, my escape from I this world, I stepped into an alcove. It was the entrance to the Bank of Montreal the place where people go to the instant teller to get their money. I used to ask people for money there, but I figured it made them really uncomfortable, seeing as how it was right beside the bank machine and all. So I didn't anymore. So I didn't anymore. I slid down the side of the glass wall inside the bank alcove, away from the gusty cold air, and waited. My lumpy knapsack, filled with everything I owned in the world, dug into my back as I sat there motionless, in pain but not caring. I was so tired, tired of figuring out where my next handful of change was coming from, what I would have to do to get enough money for my next hit, who I would have to steal from. I was tired of living for only the next fix, of structuring my life around the next hit of watching other users on the street die or heal, and of me being stalled in the same place. I was emaciated and feeling filthy, inside and out. My clothes were dirty and tattered and way too big. I'd lost my way and my purpose. I'd lost my way and my purpose. 
My soul was broken. I'd lost faith. Lost my soul hope. was broken. Lost my belief. I'd lost faith. Lost hope. Lost my belief in my own destiny. I think that that book club definitely pushed me into the right direction. When I was reading the book, Breaking Faith, I got to see not my life, but someone else's life just getting worse and worse and worse. And I could relate it to myself because the main character was basically me although we went down different paths and when I read that from I guess an outsider's point of view I realized oh my that is very similar to me I think I think I need to start doing something and when Tanya brought in Skylark's mental health team I decided you know what I don't really have anything to lose right my original goal was always to have a psychiatrist or a psychologist involved with the book club to talk about mental health issues. I always thought that I would beat the odds. Unfortunately, all I wanted was someone to love me and someone to care about me. So I found a boyfriend, got pregnant as a teenager. Then I became a single mom. Then life became very difficult. Being a young teenage mother with no money and a baby to feed and take care of. I was very loving, but like all teenage moms, reality sets in. I had to pay rent. I had to buy food. I had to get up in the middle of the night to take care of her when she was sick. It wasn't fun for my child, and she suffered greatly. I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled to work. I struggled to maintain a job. I couldn't understand what was going on, why everyone else could have this balanced life, and I couldn't. After years and years and years of struggling, I was able to speak with a psychiatrist. He was Indian, and I talked about being shuffled through the mental health system and not being understood and not being taken seriously. Being a woman of color, I was judged so harshly at times. I remember talking to one psychiatrist and he couldn't believe that me being, you know, a racialized woman did not do drugs. So when I spoke with this doctor, he understood me. He understood what I was going through. He understood the multiple diagnoses. He understood and he listened. He didn't judge me. He was able to give me the proper diagnoses and that changed my life. I was now able to function. That helped me to put together the book club to help other young women who have gone through the same thing that I went through and who were suffering as much as I did growing up. I remember speaking up and asking a question to one of the mental health services. It was horrifying. Oh my goodness. I remember I was there and I was like, I was like twiddling with my thumbs wondering, oh my gosh, should I ask it? Should I ask it? Should I ask it? Like, I don't know how to reach these people again. And 
I was just so worried about what other people would think, even though Tanya has consistently said, hey, this is a very welcoming space. Everyone will support each other. We do not tolerate hate. Um, it was so scary, you know, to be so vulnerable with a bunch of strangers. But I asked anyways, and they responded with no judgment. And when I did ask, I got all the answers that I needed. And also, it's all free. And um, usually there's counselors available to talk to me for like an hour-long session. You know, there's people there for you. So um, this was kind of the beginning of how I got into getting help for my own mental health. AC here. Before we go on, I want to let you know that if you are in crisis and need help, you can call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566. You can also send a text to 45645. They are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but coming up, we're going to hear inside a book club meeting that the Toronto District School Board originally barred their students and teachers from attending. The author, criminal defense lawyer, Marie Hennen. That's next. Sit tight. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretab. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretab. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tanya's A Room of Your Own book club made headlines late last year when the Toronto District School Board refused to allow its students to participate in a session with Canadian criminal defense lawyer Marie Hennen. Hennen had just published her memoir, Nothing But the Truth. School board officials told Tanya they were concerned that Marie Hennen's defense of Gian Gameshi as his lawyer in his sexual assault trial could send the wrong message to young girls. The book club with Marie Hennen went ahead as scheduled a national virtual session without TDSB students and their teachers. At that session, Marie Hennen was asked about the TDSB's actions. Well, uh, it didn't make me happy. That's no secret. Tanya's book club is, uh, I think, such an extraordinary contribution. I would have loved a book club like this when I was in high school. The book club provides an opportunity for students to discuss books and meet authors, but it's also a place where they can ask questions. Here's Tanya. So we're going to start with the questions from the students. Whoever's question that I'm reading, I want you to wave and say, that's my question. There's a question from Sharon. Sharon, yeah. What message do you want to tell women about workplaces dominated by men to your story? That's a great question, Sharon. Here's what I want to tell them. Uh, I want to tell them that you are perfectly capable to be in that workplace and that you have so much talent and you have so much to bring that I don't want you to worry about the males in that workplace. 
not for a minute did I ever think I wasn't supposed to be in a male dominated field. I'd never thought I wasn't good enough. I just thought I had to teach them. If they didn't know it, I was going to show them. And you know, I want you to feel that confidence. You know, I don't want you ever to think you're not as smart, you're not as good, you shouldn't be there. None of that. And you know, the thing is that if you think that about yourself, then other people are going to think that as well, right? So if you feel good about yourself, if you feel you should know that you are entitled to be exactly where any man is, then everybody gets that message as well. This book club is only meant for girls. It's just for the young women growing up. And many of the topics that we learn in here are about feminine things, like periods, for example, menstruation, you know, Tanya talks about that sometimes, you know, and I just think it's a place for girls to learn, for girls to know about their own self, and to just really strive in their own skin, and to just navigate life with other girls. My name is Shemal. I am 15 years old. I am a grade 10 student. The tough sessions that I've had was the ones that relate to racism. Because being a young black Muslim woman in my community, I've heard just about all of it, to be honest. I've been shamed for not wearing a hijab. I've been told a bunch of racist names. But all the time, through all those moments, I just had to tell myself, I don't believe them. I don't need to believe them. I can't lie. Sometimes it does get to me. I think sometimes I just have that stuff bottled up, thinking nothing of it. And then sooner or later, one more word, just the bottle breaks, you know? A lot of us being Africans in the book club, it was really welcoming. And the diversity was crazy. And I felt so like I belonged there. So I think... That was probably the toughest, but also the most welcoming for me. And something that I really remember was the book, A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow, was about a Black woman who didn't feel like she belonged. If I remember correctly, it's a fantasy book about a girl who is a mermaid, and she has to hide that side of her with certain people around because they wouldn't accept her. That conversation started up a bunch of positivity and telling people that you you should be loved and that you belong. And I think that's what really stuck to me the most out of that conversation. And even though that it was a fantasy book, there was a deeper meaning because all the things that she went through in the book related to so much more. Yeah, she was a mermaid. Yeah, she had um, all these things that don't happen in the real world, but those represent the struggles that we go through in life. And I was thinking to myself in that moment, oh, she goes through this. Well, I guess other Black women go through this as well, as a metaphor. Where's Olivia? Olivia. My question was, um, do you as a female in your profession ever find yourself, or even in the beginning, being held to a higher standard, either by yourself or others? Well, yes. Uh, To be honest, there's, uh, you are held to a different standard. 
Um, and the standard is always demonstrating what you're doing and that you're good at what you do or better than they are at what they do. Um, there's no question about that. But I think you see women being held to a different standard uh, across the board. It's not just my profession. Um, you know, at one point I was starting to collect all this stuff about women, for example, that were leaders. And I don't think you could come across one description that didn't describe them uh, in, a, in a pejorative way. It was either a discussion of what they look like or what they wore or whether they were maternal or all sorts of things. So um, we are held to a standard that is, you know, since time immemorial imposed, right, for, for women. And I think the thing I try to do anyway, and sometimes I feel, sometimes I, I succeed, is to remind myself that the standard is, is the one that I set for myself, um, not, not what other people expect of me, uh, not what other people think I should behave like, or I should look like, or I should say, or I should do. Uh, you know, I'm going to do what I think works for me. Okay, and the next question is from Afsha. So Afsha, you ask your question, please. Um, hi, so I have a bit of a personal question, I guess. Um, have you ever dealt with a case in which, um, like the person on trial was like obviously guilty, um, and you had to defend them? Is that difficult to do or does that t ever take like a toll on your mental health? So first of all, on the first question, which is, is it difficult to defend somebody that, you know, is guilty? Everybody has the presumption of innocence. You're presumed innocent until the government, the state, the prosecution, introduces enough evidence to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that never changes. So if you are charged, uh, you can sit there, whether you're guilty or innocent, and let the prosecution, the government, introduce their evidence and see if they can meet the burden. So even if your client is guilty, you're entitled to put them to their proof. But on your second question, which is, does it bother you morally? It does not bother me morally because I know what my role is in the entire justice system. And just as it is really important that we have very good Crown attorneys and prosecutors and that we have good police officers and that we have good judges, it is equally important that we have good defense lawyers who do their job in defending a person charged with a crime because it keeps the state honest. It forces them to always prove their case that there is no shortcut. And so knowing what my role is in the justice system uh, is very important and is always the thing that guides why you do what you do. Does it take a toll on your mental health? I think probably people who know me would tell you, yes, sure it does, because sometimes it's not easy. Uh, so you, uh, you know, see a lot of stuff that's not great. Uh, you see parts of people that aren't great. And there is a great deal of human distress and human uh, sadness. And as a lawyer, I have to check my feelings and I have to do my job as a professional. That doesn't mean that when I go home, it's not sometimes tiring. It's not hard. It makes you a bit tougher. And I started out tough, so it's only gotten worse. And sometimes it's, it's difficult to sort of put out of your head um, what you've had to to deal with all day because we are human um, and we, we see everything, trust me, and we feel it, uh, but I got to check it when I'm representing somebody. And so knowing all of that, I, I, don't, I don't lose sleep at night. I think our justice system 
is better because we have defense lawyers and good prosecutors and 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 people who uh, understand the system and you know I value my role in it. So I I don't feel bad about the job that I do. I feel extremely proud of it. Uh, but the truth is, does it weigh on you? Does it suck sometimes? Sure, it does. Some of the tough subjects that we have encountered, for example, is homophobia. We had an amazing author and her book was based on a young woman coming up. So the book was entitled Girl Man's Up. One school was given 30 copies and the students talked to the teacher about, are you seriously giving us this book to read? She's like, yes, you need to read it. And the students were like, but miss. And she said, you need to read this book and we're going to the book club. So a lot of these young women showed up to the book club. Some of them read the book. A lot of them didn't. And the teacher was there and the author came and she talked to them on a personal level. And at the end of that session, when the author finished speaking, every single young woman in that book club lined up to get their book autographed. They lined up to take a selfie with her. They didn't want to leave. I've never really interacted with a lot of people in the LGBTQ community before entering this book club. But when it did, it just kind of opened up my eyes, seeing what they went through with their transitions and coming out and all that stuff. People who read books are perceived as nerds or losers or why do you read books and I got so many of those comments at first so I enjoyed it more privately rather than telling other people that I read books and I was in a book club now I can 100% confidently say that I'm in a book club because I've learned to embrace it to the fullest 100% oh there she is Soleil are you there Hi. yeah okay ask your question okay. At the beginning of the book, you kind of mentioned how you were kind of hesitant to write the book. So right. what kind of pushed you to write it in the end? You know, after seeing the picture that was presented sort of in public, I realized that what particularly young women were seeing was this lawyer that walked into court and looked like she had her stuff together. And, oh, my gosh, that's what I have to be to be a lawyer or, or to be successful and it was bugging me. Um, it was bothering me that it wasn't really giving a, a full impression of what I am and the positives and the negatives about me. And I wanted to be honest about sort of who I am and where I come from. And I remember people would come and say, oh, you have such an extraordinary story to tell. And I would always say, actually, it's not extraordinary. It's a pretty typical story. I'm an immigrant like thousands of immigrants. I don't think I'm special. I don't think my story is special. And if I were to tell it, I think people would read it and say, oh, yeah, that reminds me of parts of my life. And so ultimately, that's why I decided to lay to write it, because I wanted to share a little bit more of that so that I hope that when when people read the book, in particular, uh, women read the book, what they say is, wow, if she can do it, I sure as heck can. I remember there was one session 
And one of the girls, she had never said anything in any of the previous sessions. And this girl raised her hand. And then she stood up and she shared and just spoke about how much this book club has meant to her and how she has felt being able to meet these authors and being able to talk about her feelings and being able to connect with the characters and with the book club and making good friends. And then she ended by saying, I think I'd like to learn more about becoming a writer. One of my favorite parts was the food. I believe we got cake from Costco and um, pizza as well. And it was just eating. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when we have pizza and you can see them like, move out of the way, sister. I need to get my food. They're like pushing and shoving, trying to get their food. And I'm like, yep, that's what being a teenager is all about. It's all about the pizza. We had a young Muslim student and she couldn't eat because it was during Ramadan. So she brought containers to take the food home and she pulled out her containers, her Tupperware, and all you can hear her say was, don't judge me. (laughs) I was like, I'm not judging you, girlfriend. I admire you. And I'm like, God bless your soul. You know I love you. We'll cut from the same cloth because I would want my pizza too. (laughs) (laughs) And then the pandemic came. I was like, no. (laughs) I can't believe it's already been two years since that. We are now virtual. We cannot meet in person due to COVID and the pandemic. So sending books to the young women is a lifeline. Each time the book would arrive, my mom would be like, Ivy, you have another package. Um, And she would yell to my sister too, right? And we would come out like, oh my goodness, there's another package. It's their connection to the outer world. It's their connection to another human being. They have a moment of escape. Then they could come together virtually online, talk to me about it talk to the author about it, talk to their teachers about it. Tanya would write like a little note on there, right? Like, hope you enjoy reading this book. I I can't wait to talk to you about it or something like that, right? And it's always such an amazing feeling finding these books on our doors every single month. It really made me so happy to be able to see them and be able to read them and be able to actually touch them. (laughs) She's creating this community for all of us and letting us just continue falling in love with reading. If it wasn't for Tanya, I would have just probably stopped reading because it gets a bit boring sometimes when you don't know what to read and there's books are hit or miss, right? But she's always figured it out. Her book taste cannot be questioned. It keeps me coming. I mean, it just keeps us coming back. Every book that book club has ever gave me, I still have it in my bookshelf. And it's like a whole mini collection now of all genres. And it's so fun because Tanya doesn't limit to just a few genres. She like goes from sci-fi to romance to historical fiction. (laughs) We have no clue what the books are before. Like, we open them, we see the book, and then we get to read it, and then share. I'd like to, you know, share what I think about the book with my sister. And also, it's nice to have someone as a personal alarm clock (laughs) letting you know that, hey, there's a book club happening. (laughs) 
sometimes I forget, you know. But Ivy, she's she's like a magical calendar. <laughs> she always lets me know, hey, there's a book club happening, Missy. You gotta go. I'm like, oh, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. I gotta get dressed and everything. I gotta look my best. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really nice to just have you know a person right there to talk to about these books and stuff. It's, it's fun. Tanya gave me the opportunity to really show myself in a new light. I had a really big stutter. I was a lone bird for the most part. I I didn't have anyone really, and book club just gave me a comforting feel, and it gave me a place to share. And I think from sharing, I became more confident in my voice and my own self. And now I'm working with the city councilor and stuff, and I'm doing volunteer work. And without this voice that I've developed because of the book club, I think I wouldn't be at where I am right now. I want these young women to know that they are wanted, that they are loved. And I want these young women to feel that they belong in society. Not to feel as a second-class citizen, but to walk with their shoulders held back and their heads held high. One of my hopes is to continue staying in this book club for as long as I can. I hope for Tanya, she continues doing this. I hope she keeps pushing girls to keep reading, and she's doing wonders in my opinion. She's changing lives, and I hope that she knows this and she just keeps doing what she's doing. Meeting all of these people and learning about their experiences, it definitely made made my mind more open, but it also made my world a more interesting place. <laughs> it's. It's not so black and white anymore, you know. There's a lot more color in my life, knowing all of these people, and it's wonderful. That doc was produced by Elisa Siegel. It was edited by Allison Cook. Tanya Marie Lee's A Room of Your Own Book Club now meets twice a month. These days, sessions are available to students virtually across the country. After reviewing the book, the Toronto District School Board did allow its students to attend a later session with Marie Hennen. That took place in January. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Kevin Ball, Sherry Okeke, Joan Weber, and me. Althea Manassen is our digital producer. Kent Hoffman is our acting senior producer. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.